Welcome to Season 1 of the Unsung Battles Podcast. I'm Ian Anderson, and I'm on a mission to understand the tactics and the truths that men use to overcome their darkest days. Just like your physical body, your mental strength needs to be trained and developed. Everyday men fight battles against personal tragedies, mental illness, addiction, suicide, injustices, and other seemingly insurmountable obstacles. By sharing the power in these stories, I believe they will fortify our minds and encourage the bond of brotherhood. Whether you're listening for yourself or in an effort to help another, men capable of winning in mental combat are needed. So let's get to work. Welcome to the Unsung Battles Podcast. I'm Ian. have a couple of quick bits of information for you before we jump into today's episode. So first off, if you are new to the podcast, welcome. Thank you for spending some of your time with us. Uh, the effort around the Unsung Battles Podcast is threefold. First, to talk about and share those tactics and truths that help us overcome our darkest days. Second, we are focused on dismantling stigmas around men's mental health. And finally, fostering a community of brotherhood through this shared struggle of these experiences. So that's the those founding ideas behind the Unsung Battles podcast. Next, wanted to jump into our weekly mental health training topic, which this week it's going to be purpose. And that's something you'll hear Roy talk a lot about in our episode today is this idea of a a personal purpose or a personal work that you're here to do. In order to generate some some thought around that, this this week it's more of a bit of a journal prompt or some questions to to ponder and think through throughout the course of the week. But those questions are what is your purpose? And if that's helpful for you, if it's if it's meaningful for you to have a purpose, does the way you're leading your life align with that personal purpose? So that's the weekly mental health training topic for this week. And finally, we are going to jump into Roy's episode. If this is your first episode, wanted to give you a heads up and some context that this is part two of a special two-part episode in which we interviewed Janelle and Roy. So part one is Janelle's experience and part two is now Roy's experience. And stick around till the very end as we do spend the last 10 minutes talking with both Janelle and Roy together about their experience, which is altogether a very powerful message. And with that said, let's jump into Roy's story. Roy, thanks so much for uh, coming and spending some time with me today. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your story and and getting to know you better. Uh, thanks for having me, Ian. Yeah, so to kick things off, would love to hear just a little bit about you, uh, kind of go from there. All right, Ian. Uh, so right now, I'm 49 years old. I've got four children, three from a previous marriage, the oldest being 28, the youngest of that being 21. And then I've got my current wife, Janelle, and Madeline, who's five years old. I've spent the last, um, all my life, working for the U.S. Forest Service, mainly fighting wildland fires. Started that in 1993, and I'm still currently the, the superintendent for the Logan Hotshot crew in Utah. Had a small break in the middle of it when I was in the Army from, 2000, from 1999 to 2003 uh, as in the infantry as a sergeant. That's where I'm at now. Biggest thing I've got going on in my life right now is uh, dealing with you know what's been dealt to us the with Janelle's cancer and raising a five-year-old. Well, I, I want to kick you off two thank yous. One for being in the service and, and, you know, being a part of the infantry, especially my, I have a brother that was in the infantry. And so I'd, I always get, get razzed about being a pogue. Um, yeah. But uh, the other thank you for um, all the firework that you do, because every summer I know that's, especially over the last couple of years has been pretty crazy. So thank you for, for doing that. Oh, thanks for saying that. Yeah, you bet. So Roy would love to get a sense of your current outlook on life, you know, the how you're perceiving the world around you and, and life at the moment. You know, most of my life I've had a pretty a pretty intense career between the fire service and the army where I was really focused on, you know, those things, you know, being in the military, 
fighting wildland fires, getting caught up in my career and being successful at that. And I, and I felt like I was very successful at that. But un- unfortunately, both of those careers took me away from home quite a bit. In the Army, when I was in there, I think I might have saw my family, you know, just for a few months out of the few years that I was in there. And then with the Wildland Fire Service, I'm on the road six months out of a year. So my current perspective is less focused on those things, which I used to consider very exciting, not so much anymore, because I realized uh, I missed out a lot during that time period, uh, took a lot away from my older children. And now I have this unique chance to spend more time with my my, my new five-year-old and, and I've got a wife, a current wife, who I've been married to. Well, we've known each other for the last several years, and we've been married for six years now. And she's facing, you know, a challenge of her life. So that's my focus right now, is less career-focused and more family-focused. And a lot of that's coming from, you know, the unique challenges we're facing right now and the fact that I realize that, you know, there's more to this life than getting wrapped up in your career and, you know, all these things that you consider exciting. In the end, some of it doesn't really matter where where you lose these opportunities, especially when you lose these opportunities with your family. You kind of talked about that shift of focus from, you know, the career and the excitement of that that brought to the family and the time with them. What brought about that change for you? Um, you know, I think even before Janelle started to get cancer, you know, as a parent, I mean, I'm sure some of your listeners might have younger children. You don't realize how quickly those kids are going to grow up. And they do. They grow up very quickly. So I think really that change started to come when my older children started to leave home, you know, and then you realize like you no longer have that time. Like all those summers I spent, you know, out on the fire line or, you know, being deployed to Korea in the army, I don't get that time back. Those you know, and now I've got a younger daughter and, and I realize that like, you know, what, I can do this differently now. Like I, I can spend more time at home with her and I've got a wife who needs me even more than um, what I felt like my previous wife did. You know, before we hopped on and started recording, you mentioned kind of the, the, the impact that your prior marriage had on you. Love to hear more about your experience there and kind of the the change in outlook or experience that came from it. Yeah. So um, I was married for almost 22 years previously um, to the mother of my older children. I, you see a lot of people that get divorces and, and they're really upset with the other person and they didn't learn anything from the divorce. And it takes two to tango. And for me, I realized like, you know, she had a lot of, my previous wife had a lot of um, things to be upset about because, I mean, I was gone a lot. I was on the road chasing fires across Western United States and Canada and this whole country. Um, I was in the Army uh, away from home training. It was, in the end, my previous wife, um, she kind of just fell out of love with me. Um, and that's what she told me. And you can't really blame her because, you know, I wasn't really around. So now... You know, I, that was really, really tough for me to absorb at the time. But now, um, after after she left and everything, which it seemed like at the time, it seemed like the end of the world. It just seemed like my whole world was crashing down around me. And then I had this opportunity where I met Janelle, my current wife, and um, I had the chance to do things differently with her. Uh, I'm, I'm home more. I try to be home more. I try to think about her more than... You know, I know you talked to her about her cancer and everything, and it's, it's you know, she needs me even more now that we found out she had cancer, um, which going through a divorce where you, where you have a wife that is upset with you and doesn't really need you and, and has learned how to live without you, as hard as it is as having a wife who has cancer and who's dying of cancer, it's nice to be needed, and it's nice to have somebody that loves you and wants you. And it's nice to feel like you can feel that, fulfill that role for somebody else. You mentioned, you know, going through the divorce that it felt like the world was kind of falling down around you. What got you through that difficult moment? And, and also kind of to tack onto that question, 
I've seen and heard, uh, you know, of guys who'd get divorced and that, like you said, it takes two to tango and, and sometimes they don't learn anything and they stay stuck in their ways. And I'm curious, like, what was the thinking method or what allowed you to recognize the stuff that you wanted to work on in yourself and change? You know, I think, uh, back when I first started going through that divorce, uh, I had a, a social worker that I was going to a therapist and she's the one that really made me realize that it doesn't matter what my ex-wife was doing, what kind of things I was upset with her. I had no control over that. You know, I mean, she's her own person. Um, and so, uh, Barbara was her name. Uh, Barbara worked with me for years and, you know, in the end she made me realize that I can only control myself, you know, like even if there was anything wrong with my ex-wife, it's, it's beyond me. Like that's, that's her problem. So, you know, if I want to be a better person and if I want to have better relationships, Barbara taught me that, um, it's all on me. I need to, to learn what I could have done better. And I think if you don't do that, if you don't take a deep look at what you did wrong and you're just always going to blame the other person for the things that they did wrong, you're going to fail yourself and you're going to fail whoever you end up in another relationship with. Did you have, I've talked to a handful of different guys that have gone through the experience of therapy and each one's unique. What was your experience starting up therapy? Is it something that you wanted to do or... Were you ever like concerned about it? Uh, I'm trying to, I'm not asking this question super well. No, I, I think I understand. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, I think I was, to begin with, um, I was, there were, I was really anti going to therapy or anything. And I think there's a real stigma, especially in, in the male community to, to seeking help. Like, cause you know, we're guys, we should be able to do it all ourselves. Um, and I was in a unique situation, um, Another dark moment in my life, uh, before my divorce, I had a close friend who actually committed suicide. Me and him were firefighters for a few years. When when I was uh, in Logan, where I was working, uh, I'd often stay at his house rather than drive back to Idaho where I lived. And so we were really close friends. And I, after he shot himself, uh, I, you know, I found him. And so I had a lot to work through. After that, it was a real, real dark time in my life. And so I'd already developed this relationship with Barbara because I just, you know, I was the one that had to call his mom and let her know. Um, then I helped his family get through all of that. I, I really developed a close relationship with Barbara, my therapist. And so I think if I hadn't had that, that incident with my best friend, Jess, probably would have been a lot more resistant to going in and getting therapy with um, with Barbara when it came time for a divorce. She was so helpful getting through my, my, my buddy's suicide that it was just a no-brainer, you know, um, that I should go there. And when I first went in, you know, it was all, to me, it was all about like, well, what can I do to save this marriage? And Barbara pointed out to me that, you know, unless she wants to come and work, you're probably not going to save it because, it, like I said before, it takes two to tango. So, I was pretty open to it, um, mainly because of some hard things that had happened earlier in my life. And, you know, I think that um, a lot of guys, you know, if you find yourself in these situations, therapy's great. And honestly, it's like, I don't know what it is because Barbara really, in the end, she just sits there and they, you talk through all your problems and that helps, you know, I mean, there's really not a lot of solutions that somebody like Barbara can give you, but she can help you. Um, you know, kind of absorb everything that's going on in your lives. That's some, that's some heavy stuff, Roy, and I really appreciate you being willing to share that. I know that can't be easy. You've gone through a lot of difficult experiences in your life. What keeps you going? Uh, <laughs> it's a good question. Um, I, I mean, I think one of the things that keeps me going is faith. You know, I mean, if, if there's more to this life and what we see here. And so I have faith that there's more beyond this life. That's a big part of it, but that's not all of it. You know, I think the whole point of this life is it's not about us. 
You know, it's easy to get caught up in yourself and everything that you're going through. But, you know, going through a divorce, going through my friend's suicide, and now facing, you know, being in a really happy marriage, but facing, you know, terminal cancer with my wife, you're not the only people going through these things. There's there's people all around you. You have children. You have your mother and father. You have friends. You have family. They're all going through the same things. You know, they're all struggling. And to me, that's a lot of what keeps me going is because if I just give up, that's not going to help anybody else around me. If I give up, what are my kids going to think? What are my parents going to think? What are my friends going to think? They, one thing I realized, you know, after, after my buddy's suicide is everybody needs that support and that help. And somebody's got to be there to, to do that, to pick up those pieces. And that, as hard as that was with his family, you know, being there to, to help them through that whole process, you know, we developed a real close relationship, me and his family, and they've been great. You know, they never even knew Janelle. Because that happened, my friend's suicide was probably almost 15 years ago. But since we, they found out that, you know, my new wife has cancer and everything, I mean, they've been in contact with me. They've been supporting me. And it's just been really touching to, to have them reach out to me and, you know, try to be there for me. And I think a lot of that was because I was there for them when, when, when their son died. So what keeps me going is this little five-year-old daughter of mine. It'd be real hard to um, just give up. I mean, she she still wakes up every day. She's still excited about this life. She's still excited about everything that's going on in this life. You know, her reality is, is she's got a mom with terminal cancer, and she's she's known this since she was three years old. My mission now is to help my wife, Janelle, as best I can to help her get through this, but then also to be there for that, that little five-year-old girl who's just starting out on life and you know, um, if I'm sad and depressed, um, I, I, I can't really be there for her. Before we started recording, you talked about how, you know, a year and a half ago, you probably wouldn't be sharing the story. You probably wouldn't uh, be on the podcast. And, and now you're kind of in the thick of it. And what's changed from, you know, that that diagnosis to, to now? And what's the process been for, for you and your family? You know, I mean, when you first find out about something like terminal cancer, it's a huge shock to the system. And it's incredibly sad where you had before you had all these hopes and these dreams that you were you were thinking that you had 40, 50 years in this lifetime to accomplish. And then you find out the doctors tell you, no, you don't have 40, 50 years to accomplish these things. You guys have two years left. In your relationship, they told us 28 months when uh, is how much time Janelle had, and so I think you kind of go through a bit of a grieving process when you first find out about that, and then it's like you can only be so sad for so long when you realize you're just wasting your time. Because if we do only have two years, do you want to just be sad and depressed and like dwindle that time away, or are you going to try and make the most of what time we have? together. And I think that's where both me and Janelle have ended up, whereas like, you know, our time may be limited here, but let's do the best we can with the time we've got. Janelle in particular has really, I think she's, you know, with Christmas and everything just coming off of that, she goes out of her way to just make so many memories for Madeline um, and for our family to make, make those things special. And I think that's what we all need to realize is that, um, yeah, we none of us know when we're going to die, um, but we all are going to die. We all have, we all have cancer in some respect. Um, you know, when you think you got forty or fifty years, it's easy just to kind of float through through life thinking you got all this time. But when you realize that your time is finite in this world, it really, it really reprioritizes everything in your life, and and you kind of cut out some of the things that aren't so important. And focus on the things that are important, which I mean, we all should be doing because all of our time is finite. Somebody listening who just found out their wife or their husband, you know, has has terminal cancer, or they kind of got that that experience of a diagnosis that was unexpected and and you know very 
difficult. What's your message to them? I think it's okay to be upset and to be mad. I mean, this life isn't fair. It's not fair to any of us. So be upset, be angry, be sad. But then, you know, get that out of your system and then figure out what you can do to make the most of what time you have left. But I, I, I want to I wanna reiterate that that doesn't mean you deny the fact that you're sad and you're upset and you're angry. Those, those feelings are going to be there. And, they, and I think they're important to recognize those things. But don't let that become all that you think about. When you talk about these these negative feelings, like not pushing them down or, you know, kind of repressing them, I guess you could say, how do you go about experiencing or I, I guess you could say maybe facing those in the healthy, positive ways in order to move past them and enjoy the, the time that you have left? Um, you know, I mean, to begin with, there was a lot of crying. There was a lot of crying. I mean, when we first got to diagnosis, me and Janelle would walk into the room and just look at each other and we would cry and we would hug each other. And I think there was a lot of value to that. You know, recognize them. I mean, find healthy outlets, you know, if you can to get rid of some of that anger, you know, whether it's through exercise or, um, you know, other activities. I don't know. It seems like for my wife, Janelle, like she's always wanted to have a family and you know, with lots of kids, but she's got Madeline now. And so she's really upset about this cancer and everything, but she takes all that frustration and she does all she can to make everything perfect for that little girl of ours. I think she does that. So this is what Madeline's going to remember. Not that her mom was upset and angry and sad that she had cancer, but her mom had cancer and, and she still went out of her way to do all she could to leave a good impression on her daughter and make things nice and make wonderful memories for her. I try to do the same thing, um, realizing that I might have finite time with my wife. I try to go out of my way to do all I can, you know, take some of that anger and that sadness and funnel it into positive things like trying to make her life the best I can right now, like trying to do the things that are important to her and, and thinking less about myself and things that I may want to do. Janelle, and for, for, for instance, Janelle really wanted Christmas to be perfect this year. So we went all out on the yard this year and put tons of lights up and it was a ton of work and it made everything really magical and nice. And it was a good way just to get some of that frustration out. How has this experience over the last couple of years um, impacted and maybe changed your relationship with your daughter, Madeline? I think it's um, brought us a lot closer together. Um, like I said I, earlier, I'd already realized that I'd missed a lot of opportunities with my older three children. I, I think they're a lot closer to their mom because she was there. And when I wasn't, when I was out in the military or in fires, and I was still doing that when me and Janelle were first together. And so the same pattern was starting to repeat itself with, with Madeline because um, I was still going away. Um, on fires. And then Janelle got cancer and I moved from more of a on the, on the line wildland firefighter to just do a management work where I'm home a lot more in the summers. Madeline was so used to, before she was three, her mother did everything for her. And now her mom would love to do everything for her, but her, she, her capabilities are very limited with just fatigue and, you know, the treatments that she has to receive. So I have to do a lot for Madeline. So I think that's brought the two of us so much closer together. And it reiterated the things that I already were thinking about with my older children, that I didn't want to lose those same opportunities with Madeline that I lost with the older children. So, you know, as sad as the cancer is, there's been a lot of positive things that came out of it. And one of them is the relationship that I have with Madeline is much stronger and, and closer. And then I also see Madeline having the same relationship with like grandparents and aunts and uncles that when, you know, you may have seen them at December or Christmas time. Now everybody is, is coming together to, to help our family get through this. And so Madeline's got this wonderful relationship with not only me, but with all of her relatives that, you know, if it hadn't been for the cancer, 
probably wouldn't have developed the way they they wouldn't have developed the way they have. You know, one thing I I asked Janelle that, um, and I, you know, you can veto this if you like, but one of the things that I asked Janelle is what's kind of special about being able to record this now is that one day Madeline can look back and, and listen to it. Um, or what message would you have for future Madeline? You know, future Madeline, I would hope that like everything works out good for her in her life. I mean, this, what we've been dealt here isn't fair. You know, her mom is determined that she's not going to let the cancer beat her, but if it does, you know, I hope Madeline realizes how much her mom loved her and how much, you know, Janelle's not really upset about herself, you know, and the fact that she might be facing her mortality and everything. She's more concerned about Madeline and the impact that this cancer is going to have on her, especially if it takes um, her away from Madeline in this world. But I hope future Madeline realizes how much she had to, how big of a role she had to play in keeping her mom going. Because I think if it wasn't for Madeline and it wasn't for me in Janelle's life, it'd be so much easier for her just to throw up her hands and, and say, you know what, I'm, I'm done. But I see Janelle fighting and struggling every day to get through these treatments and to continue on living and doing things just because she loves Madeline so much. What is your relationship or outlook with the future, knowing what could potentially happen? My relationship and outlook with the future is knowing what potentially will happen was, um, you know, I have a mission that I have to complete. And for me, that's this little girl, Madeline, you know, um, yeah, it's not ideal that we, we have a five-year-old who's looking at losing her mom. And I, I, I anticipate my future life is going to be focused on, 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 on her and trying to compensate for some of that potential loss that she may be facing, which is, is, is great because, you know, like I was saying before, I went through that divorce where I felt like I wasn't loved and I wasn't needed. And now even if I lose Janelle and I, you know, I know Janelle needs me, but Madeline still needs me and I will continue on for her. And the one other big thing about the divorce that I went through, I mean, as hard as that was and how I felt like my world had ended at that time, like I felt like it was done. Like I was never going to recover from that. You know, in, in a lot of respects, that divorce was harder than what I think I'm going through right now than been um, facing terminal cancer with, with Janelle because the cancer's out of our hands. And so it might seem like my world's ending, but I, you know, I've been through hard things before and I know this, will, this could be incredibly hard, but life is going to go on. I'm, I'm convinced that like, it can still be positive. It can still be happy. There's probably things that are going to come into my life that I don't even realize right now. And, and so I need to be open and receptive to to receiving whatever comes my way i'm just i don't know man i i'm really amazed at the ability you have to keep that positive perspective in mind despite the difficulties you've been through that's that's inspiring to me i wanted to ask you know we've we've talked about a lot of different things um what haven't we talked about that maybe is is still on your mind or something that that you'd like to to chat through I think that whether you believe there is, you know, a God or life, life beyond um, this world, I think we're all here for a reason. And so when things are tough, as they are in my life right now, as I've been in many times in my life, um, a few years ago, I was uh, on the fire line and I was in an incident with the Forest Service where I realized where um, I almost didn't make it out. It was called the uh, the Horse Park Fire. There's a 50-page report that the Forest Service put out about it. Short, Long story short, um, I got pulled out of there by one of my guys on the fire crew with just three seconds to spare. He, he took a UTV, came into the fire, grabbed me, and got me out with, with just seconds to spare. And this was before Janelle had cancer and everything. 
And, you know, I had to tell Janelle what had happened at the time and how I almost died. And she was really, really upset uh, that I had almost died um, on the fire line just doing my job. And she went and visited our, our, our local LDS bishop and, you know, was trying to be consoled by him. And his, his answer to her was like, obviously, Roy's got more work to do in this world. Otherwise, you know, he might not have been saved right then. And I think that's the take home right here is like, whether you believe in God or not, we all have work to do in this world. And whether you're going to do that work and, and, and continue moving forward, or are you just going to give up is, is the question. So, yeah, life's going to get hard. But even though you might think you're in this all by yourself, like, you know, when my when my ex-wife left, I didn't know that Janelle was right around the corner and she was going to be coming into my life and that she would need me as much as she does. Because with what Janelle's facing right now, I can't imagine she was by herself before she met me. Like, I can't imagine her having to go through this by herself. And so I feel like, you know, that day that I was saved on the horse park fire, my mission was I had work that I needed to do. And that was to help Janelle get through this and to help Madeline, you know, get her start in this life. So don't give up. You know, we all, we all have work to do here. What, um, you know, hearing how big of a driver and motivator it is for you to have this work to do, for you to be needed by your family and, and others, what advice or message do you have for, for the guys out there that don't feel like they're needed or don't feel like they found this work? Um, and maybe how can they go about finding that? I think the, the key is, is to, um, is to not give up and to stay open. Because, you know, after my divorce, you know, after 22 years, I I really felt like nothing ever was going to come along. I was going to be sad the rest of my life. And, you know, I could have just gone home and shut my door and, and, and locked myself off from the world. But I didn't do that. I, I met Janelle. She came into my life unexpectedly. I wasn't even looking for her at the time. And then she made me incredibly happy and and now I'm facing the very real chance that I'm going to lose her again. I, I, I think it's it's just, you just can't give up because you, you don't know what the universe, what God has planned for you. Because you might feel like you're you're at the very bottom and this is the worst thing that could ever happen to you and there's nothing else that happened to you. But then you're going to shut yourself off from so many other opportunities. Don't don't give up. You know, don't shut yourself off from the world. Get out there, um, be with people, talk to people, and stay positive. Um, I, I think that's the other thing is um, people that go through hard things. It's just like Viktor Frankl's book we were talking about before. Uh, you can either let these experiences make you bitter and angry and upset, and nobody wants to be around somebody who's bitter and angry and upset, or you can learn from these things and you can learn how to do hard things. And you can learn how to take these things and help other people in this world. And in, in the end, that that's what keeps me going. I like that. Like it's a, it is a choice how you choose to face things. You can't choose what happens or you can't, you know, choose not to have that diagnosis or go through this experience, but you can choose how you meet it. Um, I think that's really powerful. Two last quick questions for you of the first one. You know, this is this is heavy stuff. This is not, you know, maybe not necessarily a fun conversation, but a why come on and talk about it? It's important to talk about because I'm not the only person in this world that's gonna get divorced. I'm not the only person in this world that's gonna be married to somebody who's facing cancer. I felt like my world was ending with the divorce, and I feel like knowing what I know now after that divorce. Letting other people know that even though you're you're going to go through some hard things, the sun always rises. You know, you got to um, let people know what you're going through, because other people are going to face these same things. And you know, as sad as everything is with Janelle, you know, because I love her so much, 
and I love Madeline and I love our family and I don't want that to change. It's going to. After after the divorce, I realized that like even though it might feel like right now that this could be the end of everything that positive that I was hoping for in life, I, I don't believe that's true. I believe that there's more even if Heavenly Father calls Janelle back to heaven, there's more he has in plan in store for me here. You know, whether you believe in God or not, it could be there's more the universe has in store for you. Hopefully people can realize it like there's there's more to life than than just what's happening to you right now. And then last question for you, and it's it's a little similar, but kind of looking back on all the things that we've talked about, if you had to condense your message into one or two sentences, what would those be? I would say it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be angry, but don't let it change you as a person. Stay positive. Stay I mean, look for ways that you can help other people around you because, you know, I'm losing, I may be losing my wife, but, you know, there's her parents, her brothers, her sisters, my daughter, they're all going through the same thing. And there's things that I can do to help, help them as much as they have things that they can do to help me. We're, we're not in this alone in this world. None of us are. Roy, I really appreciate you coming on and spending time with me. Um, it's it's been really insightful for me personally to hear about your story, as well as I'm I'm sure it'll have an impact on others. So thank you for your time. All right, Ian, it's, it's been good talking with you. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking our story and and getting it out there. I hope that it benefits other people. Me as well, and I'm sure it will. For the last 10 minutes of this episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with both Janelle and Roy together and ask them a couple of questions. Thanks for thanks for coming talking to me once more. I promise I won't I won't take too much more of your guys' time. I, I really do appreciate you being willing to share your story and um, I'm excited to share it with others because I think there's a lot of power in it. I had just a couple quick questions for y'all, but the first one, you know. Yes, this is geared towards men's mental health, and but I very much believe that when it comes to a spouse, a couple that's very intertwined and interwoven, um, just kind of wanted to ask about how this has impacted your relationship um, going through this experience together. Oh, I think we've definitely grown stronger together. I think we've realized we have such a definitive common goal now. You know, before it's just kind of you're going through life and you're helping each other, you're working together. But now we have this goal and and we have a very clear idea of, of what that is. And I think our, our teamwork has become um, something that, you know, it, it truly is us being a team. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we, we have to or else things wouldn't happen in our lives. You know, we have to. To pick up slack. He picks up a lot more slack than I do these days, but you know, we have to pick up the slack where the other one is, is sick or exhausted or whatever. We have to, we have to be willing to, to help each other, you know, no, no questions asked, you know, I need help. That's, that's it. We, we help each other. Yeah. I think it's, it's really helped us focus on those things that are, it has brought us closer together and it's helped us focus on the, the things that are most important in this life, which is our, our little family right now. I think we're in this unique situation where we're facing mortality, where a lot of, a lot of people don't get that until they're, you know, senior citizens and, and their husbands and wives and they're 80 years old, 90 years old. And then most of their time and their families are grown up by then. And now here we are fairly young with a young daughter realizing yeah, our time is limited, and so we really do have to focus on what's important. And it, and I do think it, it our relationship is so much stronger. Yeah. Not that it was weak before, but it's just we were basically newlyweds before. So you know, of course, it's going to be strong before. But yeah, it's so much stronger than than even that. And deeper. Yeah, much deeper. What kind of? Because this was something we, me and Janelle kind of talked a little bit about at the very end after we'd stopped recording. But when somebody from the outside is is wanting to help, is wanting to, you know, support you, um, what's the best way that they can do that? You know, kind of speaking towards 
others who might have similar situations going on with friends or family members? Um, what's your advice there? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, we, you know, we always just tell people, you know, we need the prayers, we need the good thoughts, we need, you know, this the support. But so many people want to actually do something. You know, we have multiple people who just continually ask, what can we do? What can we do? Is there anything we can do now? And, you know, it, it, it's so hard to come up with things that people can actually help us with. And so we, we have to, we have to really sit back and, and think this is, this is difficult for us. It's difficult for us to get three meals on the table for our family to sit down and eat together. And so um, the women at our church still bring us meals. You know, it's a year and a half later and they still bring us meals a couple times a week. And that's, you know, that's been really difficult. I think even more so for Roy <laughs> because he's like, that's my job. I can do that, you know. But but I think, you know, us stepping back and saying, but it wasn't happening well enough. You know, it, it is something we were falling down on. I think it's hard to accept help when you feel like you can do everything yourself. Mm -hmm. And so as important as it is for me and her to to be willing to reach out to people and accept that help. Some of the people that have been the most helpful are the ones that don't give up. <laughs> the ones that are just persistent and they're like, you know what? We're going to come over and we're going to do this whether you want it or not. <laughs> and in the end, it's been very beneficial and, and valuable. Um, yeah. We have some moms in, in town here that are like, you know, we'll drop everything to take Madeline or they'll just show up and say, well, I'm going to take Madeline for the day. Yeah. Um, where like, you know, everyone's always asking us what they can do, but some of the ones that are most helpful, they just do it. They just do it and, asking. you know, kind of force themselves on us. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then we have to, we have to accept. Um, and it's not like we don't want them to do that. Like it's, they're very kind and we're so grateful. I mean, one friend even just came over to help me with something else um, related to my cancer. And she just started washing my dishes. You know, like it just—it's—it's it's so sweet, and and we've been so lucky. And our our parents, especially Roy's mom and and both of my parents, like they just—they've gone out of their way to think of of ways they can help us. And you know, Roy's mom lives three hours away. My parents are you know twenty five hundred miles away. But they still, they're here for us. They come to stay with us for weeks at a time. And yeah, my my mom came out immediately. Um, she started staying with us three weeks, and then she'd go back to Florida for a week. And then she'd come uh, for three more weeks and go home for a week. And so she basically just lived with us for that first year. And I mean, even now, she still is coming out like five times this last year. And um, And my dad... Uh, he owns a construction company and he brought a couple of his guys and they even renovated one of our bathrooms to make it a little more accessible for me and, um, and just to make things nicer around our house for me. And, um, and Roy's mom, whenever we're down in Salt Lake, when I'm getting my uh, chemo treatments at the Huntsman Cancer Institute. She um, takes Madeline all over the place. She takes her to play with her cousins and um, Roy's siblings. Most of them all live down there and Mads gets to go play with her cousins and grandma signed Madeline up for gymnastics classes down there. You know, they've just been so helpful and my siblings, every single one of them has flown out to visit me um, multiple times, um, individually and with their families. And they're coming from all over the country, North Carolina, Washington State, some are here in Idaho, um, Texas, Florida, like they've all come out multiple times. And it just, you know, you, it just shows how much people care about me and my family and they want to help. And they're not, you know, asking what they can do for us. They're just showing up. I have lots of friends who have even done that as well. They just say, we're coming. 
and and they're they're just coming to to show us that that they love us and love me and they want to help us. It is nice to have our little family unit, just us sometimes, but then other times it's like we do need help. We need help just with just taking care of Madeline, making sure she's bathed every day, making sure she gets to all of her activities. It's it's so nice to know that we have those people that really, really want to help and they don't even ask, they just do it. And, you know, we've been doing this for almost two years now. Year and a half. Year and a half. And there was so much outreach at the beginning. Um, where it was almost overwhelming. Yeah back then and now we still have people wanting to help us and everything but it's not quite as overwhelming as it was but you know but now you realize like oh you know if somebody's going through something like cancer it may last a few years it's nice to have people just send a random text to check in mm-hmm. on us and say hey just checking in to see how you're doing especially yeah. if it's some of those friends you might not have seen for a long time you know, just it's nice to know, like, all right, I haven't talked to talked to this guy in like four years and he's sending me a text on Thanksgiving asking me how I'm doing. You know, that that meant a lot, you know, because I, I, I had people like that, guys that I hadn't worked with in a while just sending me texts out of the blue. I have a very sweet friend who almost every day she just she'll send me a text that's just a heart or a smiley face, or a sunshine, like, she just, just to let me know she's thinking about me, she doesn't need an explanation of what's going on with me, she just wants me to know that she cares. And I, and I think I that's that. the other important thing to realize, especially with Janelle, is sometimes these texts are great, but they might not get responded to, because we're going through a lot, Janelle's really sick, she doesn't have the energy to respond to every single text. But she sees them, and sometimes she might see them a week later, you know, after a really rough chemo thing. So for people that want to help, you know, just keep reaching out, even if you don't get a response. Yeah. Because just seeing those messages mean a lot. Yeah. And just realize that, like, when we're going, when someone's going through what we're going through, we love seeing those messages, but we may not have the energy or you know, I, I could be cleaning up throw up or something, <laughs> you know, well, you know, after, after chemo, and then I might not get to your tech, but it doesn't mean yeah. it didn't mean anything to me. Well, and I, I always said, you know, when this first started happening, it was so scary because everything's unknown, you know, everything's uncertain and it's, it's hard and it's scary. But those few weeks after we found out those were like the most positive time of my life because so many people reached out to let me know that they cared about me. And, you know, it was, it was overwhelmingly just, it was a wonderful time. And that is so, you know, that's such a dichotomy, you know, like the scariest thing of my life ended up being such a positive, positive. She's often said that she's never felt more loved in her life. Yeah. That's amazing. I um yeah, I kind of just want to turn it over to you two is is there anything else you want to share or anything that comes to mind that we haven't talked about or I think just having the support having a support system, whatever that looks like for whoever's struggling, I think having a support system is so essential. Um and I think that if maybe you're feeling alone, there are so many support systems, even at, at our hospital, just not being afraid to find out, to find those support systems. Like, don't just sit and be scared on your own. Like, actually do the work to, to, to find that support system so you have it because you can't do it alone. I, I can, I could not do this alone. I could not do it without Roy, without Madeline, without my parents. Like, I, I would seriously, what's the point, you know? You know, and, so, and I couldn't do what I have to do without help of family yeah. and friends and the community. It, yeah. It's been incredible. So I think reaching out and finding that support system is essential. So. Excellent. Well, I, I just, I really appreciate you two coming on and sharing your story. I'm, I'm really hopeful that it's going to have a positive impact on a lot of people. And if nothing else, it's, 
it's, you know, it's had an impact on me. So I, I thank you for being willing to share it. Thank you. It's, I mean, it's been nice for us too, you know, just to think about these questions that you, that you've asked us. I think it, it really helps clear our minds a little bit and helps us reflect and realize how lucky, how lucky we are for all the little things that, you know, you kind of miss when you're looking at just big picture stuff. So. Yeah. Thanks, Ian. Yeah. Thank you for listening into Janelle and Roy's story. If you found some power, if you found some value, some inspiration in these stories, I have a twofold ask for you this week. The first one, and this is the priority, is I want you to do what Roy mentioned here at the end of the episode. He, he referenced how impactful something as simple as a text can be. So what I'd like you to do is to pick one person in your life whether it's you haven't talked to them for a while, whether it's they might be struggling or even just somebody you want to let them know how, how much you care about them. I want you to take just a minute, write a quick little text and send that off as a result of this podcast. The Unsung Battles podcast is very action oriented. It's, it's not just about hearing the stories. It's about implementing the lessons that we learn. So that's my first ask. The second ask is all about finding other individuals that can benefit from these stories. So I'd ask that if you did find that value, if this was meaningful, if it helped your life, if it gave you some knowledge or, or somehow impacted you for the positive, that you share this out. Um, and ideally, what would be extremely helpful is rating or reviewing the podcast because that lets others know, the algorithms know, that there's value to be had and these stories are worth listening to and they're worth being told. So that's my hope this week. If you can, most of you are listening by Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you're on Spotify, scroll up to the top. You'll see a small rating button, usually on the left-hand side, where you can leave a quick star review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, they have an opportunity for you to review the podcast. And what I would love for you to do is let people know through that review what they can hope to find or what positive impact these stories have to offer them. So use that as a signal to let people know that there's value to be had and let's continue to share Janelle and Roy's story going forward. So thank you again for taking the time to listen through this and keep at it. We've, we've got more work to do and, and more stories to tell. So we'll see you here next week.